hearts and her mind and her consciousness is to understand the meaning of real power, the meaning of power that comes from a domain of awareness that we call the spirit. Spirituality is a domain of awareness where we experience our universality. It's a domain of awareness where we experience total freedom. And I think today we are going to be looking into the nature of real freedom and real power. For all of my life, I've been fascinated by powerful people. There are many kinds of power and many kinds of powerful people. Rosa Parks is an extremely powerful person. But there is a difference between the power that a Hitler has and the power that someone with Christ consciousness has. This is the power that comes from the strength of spirit. It is a power that heals. It is a power that renews. It's a power that makes us feel safe. It is a power that brings us closer to God. It is a power that transforms and helps other people to feel powerful. It helps other people to experience freedom. Growing up with my parents, I was always told that there are two kinds of power. One is the power that comes from an agency or false power. And the other is real power, power that comes from the level of the spirit. Self-power, spiritual power, the power of the soul, sacred power, whatever term you want to use. False power comes from a certain agency. If you are the President of the United States, you're an extremely powerful person for as long as you're the President of the United States. And then once that office is over, as time goes by, you become less and less and less powerful. And after a while, you're not powerful at all. If you're the head of a corporation, the same thing goes. You are powerful for as long as you have the agency. If you have a lot of money, exactly the same thing. That kind of power is very temporary. It's very artificial. It's not something that really in the end helps other people to become powerful or to find their own freedom. On the other hand, spiritual power is permanent. It is not dependent on situations. It is not dependent on circumstances. It is not dependent on people. It is not dependent on material things. And yet, it is permanent. Nobody can take it away from you. From the tradition where I come from, which is the Vedic tradition, the difference between false power and real power is the difference between what is called object referral and self-referral. Object referral is a state of awareness where all your strength and your sense of identity comes from objects. The objects could be situations, circumstances, people, or events. So if you meet someone on the street and you ask them, who are you? I don't think you're likely to hear the following response. I'm a holographic expression of the entire universe which is manifesting as a series of space-time events in a field of infinite possibilities. 
which is a pretty good definition of who you really are. A powerful, eternal, infinitely flexible field of all possibilities. Most people, when they identify themselves, they do so by identifying themselves with a situation, a circumstance, a title, a job description, a relationship, a nationality, a race, and so on. All of that is object referral. The opposite of object referral is a condition called self-referral, where your internal reference point is not some object, whether that's a situation, a circumstance, a person, or a thing. It is your own innermost being. And when someone has this kind of power, then there is always your own self to go back to. People who have self-referral display certain characteristics, and that's what we are going to discuss deeply today as we explore those characteristics. People who are totally self-referral have certain very, very clear and obvious characteristics. Number one, they are independent of the good or bad opinion of others. It doesn't matter what you think of them. They function independently of criticism and are therefore immune to it. They are independent of both the good and the bad opinion of others. So that's the first characteristic of people who are self-referral. The second characteristic of people like that is that they never feel beneath anyone, no matter who it is. But they also don't feel superior to anyone because they know that at the level of spirit, we are all equal. And the third characteristic of people like that is that they are totally fearless. Just remember that, if nothing else, those three characteristics of real power, to be independent of the good or bad opinion of others, to feel beneath no one or superior to anyone, and to be completely and totally fearless. So today it's a great opportunity for us to celebrate and understand those characteristics because we're going to be talking to someone, a historical figure in our midst, who's the living embodiment of those characteristics. She is the great mother of the civil rights movement, Rosa Parks. Before I engage Mrs. Parks in a dialogue, let me tell you my own memories of how she influenced my life. I remember very clearly a day in December 1955. I must have been nine years old. My family at the time was living in a small town in the northeast of India in a state called Assam. My father was an army doctor at the military hospital in Shillong. He came home with a newspaper one day that had been sent to him from Calcutta. He was very excited and kept saying, there was another Mahatma Gandhi in America. The word Mahatma in India means great spirit or sacred soul. What he brought with him was a front page story about a black woman by the name of Rosa Parks. She had been arrested for refusing to give up her seat to a white man on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama in America. Not having any familiarity with American history at the time, we were dumbfounded. 
we were under the impression that the United States was a great and civilized country. We couldn't believe that people were discriminated against on the basis of the amount of melanin pigment in their skin. Only nine years previously, India had gained independence from the British. The wounds of slavery and subjugation were reawakened that day in my parents and grandparents. They cheered and saluted the heroism of this black woman, Rosa Parks, who lived in some faraway land that none of us really knew. As a result of Mrs. Parks' initiative, very soon a local Baptist minister, Martin Luther King Jr., was successful in creating a massive resistance movement. Back in India, we cheered again and again. In 1960, when the sit-in movement was launched at Greensboro, North Carolina, and when black students insisted on service at a local segregated lunch counter, we celebrated once more in India because we knew that Martin Luther King Jr. was inspired by the non-violent methods of our own great spiritual leader, Mahatma Gandhi. We were Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King Jr.'s cheerleaders as the movement spread across America, forcing the desegregation of department stores, supermarkets, libraries, and movie theaters. When the massive march of Freedom Riders climaxed in 1963, I was in pre-med school and completely familiar with the historic events that were happening in Washington, D.C. I felt proud to be alive at the same time as the great liberators of humanity. Racial discrimination was not just an injustice against...